0: Chapter 5. The power of progress. More focus on progress, less focus on numbers. What's your magic number? Is it your bank balance? Your weight? Your IQ? Your number of Fitbit steps? Pay packet? Net worth? Many of us spend our lives chasing numbers. We depend on them to tell us who and what we are, and how we are measuring up. Are we okay? Good? Better than our colleague, neighbor, friend? For some of us, numbers are at the core of our identity. They indicate our relative position at work, at school, and in society. For others, numbers give us a sense of security, an illusion of control in an increasingly chaotic world. I must confess to a mea culpa of my own here. I've spent a large chunks of my life counting. From my tennis playing days where I counted, among other things, targets, hits, matches, won and lost ranking points, to my university days where I calculated test marks, assignment grades, exam scores and end of year final averages. Entering the real world of work, if you could call the advertising industry real, was a bit like going cold turkey as far as my numbers addiction was concerned. After all, you can't put a number to an incisive creative brief, a unique insight, a compelling argument. Great ads too, as much as the industry has tried to apply science to them, are often more a case of art and alchemy than recipe. Being in this environment opened my eyes to an alternative, albeit foreign, universe. One where being busy with the stuff that really counted could be more meaningful than obsessively counting stuff. Then I encountered the corporate world, where slogans like, you can't manage what you can't measure, and you get what you measure, reverberate at all levels. Thanks to Deming, who hit us circa 1960 with measurement techniques aimed at improving manufacturing processes, A corporate sport, applying these to human beings, was born. This numbers-intensive environment brought out the addict in me, and I fell off the wagon. I binged on numbers. They're seductive like that, especially in a functional area, communication, that suffers from not being an exact science. They promise to bolster credibility and control. To be fair, I did learn about the benefits of quantifying things, but most of us are pretty familiar with that. But I also experienced firsthand the limitations of numbers-driven leadership and the drawbacks it has in terms of intrinsic motivation and engagement among employees. Sometimes what counts can't really be counted. Yes, we do get what we measure, but we need to realize that it's all we get. Measurement tends to skew the focus of performance to what is quantifiable, what we can put a number to, and ignore everything else. Think for a minute of the really important things in your life and how you measure them. Your faith, spirituality, your relationship with your spouse, your kids, your friends. Martin Seligman's research confirms that it is precisely the things that we can't put a number to, ...that have the greatest impact on our happiness. Work with purpose, fulfilling relationships with friends and family, gratitude, forgiveness and optimism. With the fourth industrial revolution imminent, according to the World Economic Forum... ...it's likely that easy to measure and quantify rote tasks... ...will become the province of artificial intelligence robots. For us humans... That means that those unquantifiable skills go from being nice-to-haves to essential skills. A report from the World Economic Forum identifies creativity as one of the top three skills that employees need in order to thrive as we enter the fourth industrial revolution. Confronted by an avalanche of new products, new technologies and new ways of working, workers have to become more creative in order to benefit. While artificial intelligence robots may be able to process information faster, creativity, which is what makes us human, is one area where humans will be able to add unique value. Similarly, emotional intelligence becomes another of the key skills that all employees need. Guy Claxton, a professor of education at King's College London, Identifies five dispositions that he believes are crucial for life, work, and play in the 21st century. These are a love of reading, the inclination to design your own learning, the capability to think on your feet, the strength to control attention, and the disposition to question knowledge claims, which is skepticism. Anyone out there clamoring to design the numbers driven measurement instrument for the above? No, I thought not. In many cases, numbers are helpful. In some cases, profit, shareholder value, turnover, etc. They're essential. But we need to handle them with care. We need to realize that they do have limitations and that not being able to put a number to something doesn't diminish its significance. The following quote is lengthy but worth reading. It originated from a speech made by Robert Kennedy in the 1960s, and despite the culture and decade-specific references, it captures my point eloquently. For too long, we seem to have surrendered personal excellence and community value in the mere accumulation of material things. Our gross national product now is over $800 billion a year, But that gross national product, if we judge the United States of America by that, that gross national product counts air pollution and cigarette advertising and ambulances to clear our highways of carnage. It counts special locks for our doors and the jails for people who break them. It counts the destruction of the Redwoods and the loss of our natural wonder in chaotic squall. It counts napalm and it counts nuclear warheads and armoured cars for the police to fight the riots in our city. It counts Whitman's rifles and speck knives and the television programmes which glorify violence in order to sell toys to our children. Yet the gross national product does not allow for the health of our children, the quality of their education or the joy of their play. It does not include the beauty of our poetry or the strength of our marriages, the intelligence of our public debate, or the integrity of our public officials. It measures neither our wit nor our courage, neither our wisdom nor our learning, neither our compassion nor our devotion to our country. It measures everything, in short, except that which makes life worthwhile, and it can tell us everything about America, except why we are proud that we are Americans. People manage the numbers rather than the desired outcome. We need to be vigilant about what we measure, because that is exactly what we will get. No sooner has an elaborate measurement system been designed than wily employees have figured out a way to work the numbers to their benefit. Add to this the potential for the system to go awry when a target number and reward incentive are linked. One can hardly blame people for working the system to maximize their rewards. I've observed many a seasoned professional in the corporate, advisory, financial and even legal space indicate a preference for a specific outcome which has more to do with their bonus than the best interest of either their own company or their client. Numbers become a proxy for thinking, decision-making, and action. Numbers have a tendency to lull us into thinking that we no longer have to. Think, that is. How many times have I heard senior leaders delay a decision with, let's wait and see what the numbers say? I'm not arguing against numbers-driven fact-based decision-making. My point is that no matter what the numbers say, they are never, ever, going to tell us what to do. Outsourcing decision-making to the numbers is a slippery slope indeed. Then there's the weird kind of alchemy that numbers sometimes trigger. It's almost as if once we've measured the problem, we know the size of the problem, we've put a number to the problem, we actually think that we've addressed the problem. Crazy, isn't it? And yet, this thinking is rife in the employee engagement space. Companies are spending more and more on measuring the extent of their engagement problem, which is being followed up with proportionately minimal corrective action. It's wishful thinking in the extreme. In the absence of a change in diet, standing on the scale every day measuring the number isn't going to change that number, no matter how much we wish it would. Numbers catalyze comparison. Numbers make competition inevitable. Recently, my son, Zach, took part in an inter-school public speaking event. The standard was extremely high, and all the 10-year-old kids spoke with remarkable confidence. There was no doubt that for each and every one, this was their moment. Cold shivers ran down my spine at the thought of their enthusiasm, their joy and their confidence being reduced to or shattered. By a number. Thankfully, in this case, sanity prevailed, and participants were given insightful generic feedback and were all awarded with gold or silver certificates for their efforts. Competition is inevitable in many aspects of life, but rarely is the comparison that numbers naturally catalyze helpful. Nancy Klein explains why. Competition between people ensures one thing, that if you win, you will have done a better job at whatever it is than the other person did. That does not mean that you will have done a good job, just a better one. To compete does not ensure certain excellence, it just ensures comparative success. And the problem with that is that it distracts us from examining what good might actually be. The power of progress. Numbers tell us where we are and indicate where we could be. Both are essential, but neither have any impact on motivation or engagement. A global survey conducted by the Boston Consulting Group among 11,000 Brazilian workers further supports this point. What Brazilian workers care about most on the job is being appreciated for the work they do, followed by learning and career development, work-life balance, and relationships with colleagues and superiors. In the value that they place on soft versus compensation-related workplace factors, Brazilians are a prime example of a trend that has emerged globally. In fact, nothing compensation-related is among the top 10 factors that contribute to Brazilian satisfaction at work. This would indicate that it is the space in between where we are and where we could be, the way in which the needle moves between those two points, in other words, progress, that really gets people going. This is fantastic news for leaders, because it's an area that is almost completely within a leader's sphere of influence. The power of progress as an intrinsic motivator for employees was identified in a study conducted by Harvard professors Teresa Amabile and Stephen Kramer. Amabile and Kramer conducted a multi-year study among 238 employees in seven US-based companies. As part of this study, participants were asked to keep a daily diary which kept a record of their thoughts, perceptions and emotions. What the researchers referred to as employees Inner work-life. The most important question allowed the respondents free reign. Briefly describe one event from today that stands out in your mind. After collecting and analysing well over 12,000 journal entries, the researchers reached a surprising conclusion, that the aspect that has the greatest impact on employees' motivation and engagement on a daily basis is progress in meaningful work. It's noteworthy that incentives, monetary rewards and numbers were rarely mentioned, if at all. Progress is defined as moving forward, growth of some kind or overcoming even small obstacles on a daily basis. This is great news for leaders because progress is within our control. We have influence over events that facilitate or hinder progress. In fact, our role in not hindering progress, that is by changing goals autocratically, being indecisive or holding up resources, is even more significant. The beauty of progress is that it happens every day. And of course, if we look for it and focus on it, it will grow. Progress gives people a sense of meaning, that they are moving forward on their journey towards their and the company's purpose and destination. A telling, unintended consequence of the research study is revealed in this quote. I'm sorry this is coming to an end. It forced me to sit back and reflect on the day's happenings. Doing so was very helpful in making me more aware of how I should be motivating and interacting with my team. Thanks for your help in making me a better person. As leaders... Let's stop breaking our heads about how to quantify the unquantifiable and instead measure, track and facilitate what really matters to employees. Progress.